Let us turn in God's Word this morning to 1 Samuel chapter 3. The entirety of this chapter will constitute the text of the sermon this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 3. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place, and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep, that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not, lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go, lie down. And it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of every one that heareth it shall tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. And therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. And Samuel lay until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, and he answered, Here am I. And he said, What is the thing that the Lord has said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to thee, and more also, if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee. And Samuel told him every whit, and hid nothing from him, and he said, It is the Lord. Let him do 
what seemeth him good. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan even to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Thus far we read God's holy and inerrant word. May God add his blessing upon the reading of his holy scriptures. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, the opening verse of 1 Samuel chapter 3 shows that this Old Testament narrative is very applicable for where we as churches presently are at. reason it is applicable to us in this year is because God's word was scarce in the land of Israel. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. Like a diamond rare to be found, but precious when it is found, so was and so is the word of the Lord. There were hardly any, if any at all, prophets going throughout the land of Israel. And how many churches, not just in our denomination, but in other denominations as well, are vacant. The word of the Lord was precious. It is in that context that the Lord appeared unto Samuel to call Samuel to be a prophet in the land of Israel. Samuel, you will recall, was the son of Hannah. Hannah, married to Elkanah, previously had been childless. This was a great grief of heart to Hannah. She longed for a child. She prayed to God, and she promised the Lord that if God would give unto his handmaiden a male child, She would devote this child to the work and service of the Lord. God granted this earnest request of godly Hannah. God gave to her Samuel, and Hannah kept her word. And after Samuel was weaned, she brought Samuel to, next calls the temple. This would not have been Solomon's temple, but the tabernacle of the Lord. She brought him to there, the tabernacle of the Lord in Shiloh. 
Certainly Hannah would have missed her young son, Samuel. Once a year she would go and visit him, bring him a coat that she made for him. But Hannah was committed to her word that she would give up this child unto the Lord. It's in that context then that God now appears unto Samuel and calls Samuel to be a prophet. It's appropriate then, very appropriate, that this text be used on the occasion of a baptism. It's appropriate because this text forces us as parents to consider what is my objective in raising up this child or these children that God has given me? Is my objective to keep them right by my side? Is my objective to give them the tools they need so that they can be financially successful? If those are the standards that parents are held to, then Hannah failed. Hannah raised her child up not to keep her right next to her physically, but Hannah raised her child up so that she could give him to the Lord. Do we as parents have that same goal in parenting? Samuel, called of the Lord. We're going to switch the order of the first and second points as I put it in the bulletin. First, we'll see that it is heard words, second, ear-tingling words, third, loved words, heard words. Samuel needed to be instructed to hear God speaking unto him. The history of God's call to Samuel makes this clear. Samuel was in the temple or the tabernacle with Eli. Eli was the high priest. He was an old man, well established in the land of Israel. Samuel was but a young lad, a young boy at this point in time. And Samuel was under the tutelage, the mentorship of elderly Eli. One night they went unto bed. The candle of the temple was put out. It's dark. Samuel is on his bed. Eli, in a different room, is on his bed. And while they are laying there in their respective beds, Samuel hears a voice calling unto him. Samuel, Samuel. Samuel misunderstood who was calling out unto him. And 
thought that it must be Eli that was calling to him. And we can understand where Samuel's confusion came from. At this point, the Lord had not yet revealed himself unto Samuel, nor had called Samuel to office. So it's understandable that Samuel misunderstood who was speaking unto him. So Samuel then ran unto the place where Eli was at and said, What is it, Eli? Speak. And Eli said, It it wasn't me. Go back to bed. So Samuel went back to bed, and the voice called a second time. And again, Samuel went to Eli, and again, Eli said, it wasn't me. Although it's understandable that Samuel did not understand that it was the Lord speaking, should not Eli have known that it was the Lord speaking. Eli is the same individual who earlier on had misunderstood what Samuel's mother was doing in the temple. Remember Hannah was praying silently, but her lips were moving, and Eli thought she was drunk. The word of the Lord was scarce in those days, precious, and perhaps that contributed to Eli's inability to recognize immediately that this was the Lord speaking unto Samuel. Then after Eli or Samuel was called the third time and went unto Eli, it was at that point then that Eli at last understood, aha, This is God who is calling unto Samuel. Samuel is not making this up. There's no human who is physically using their vocal cords to call out unto Samuel. But this is a divine, heavenly calling given unto Samuel. It is at that point then that Eli, the mentor, instructed Samuel The next time you hear this voice calling out unto you, Samuel, don't come to my place, but stay where you are and respond, saying, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. And then the fourth time, the Lord called, and then Samuel responded, the way he had been instructed. Verse 10, And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. It was through Eli's instruction, given in the middle of the night, that Samuel was able to understand that God called him. That leads us to see what is the application for us as parents. It is our duty as parents to help our children understand the voice of God 
and listen to that voice? What is even the voice of the Lord? And then are we as parents busy teaching them to be sensitive to the voice of the Lord? Just as Samuel of old, children will not automatically recognize the Lord's voice in their lives. There are obstacles that will prevent even covenant godly children from discerning God is speaking unto me. Sometimes those obstacles are obvious. The child has headphones on playing the music of the world. And because his eardrums are filled with the filthy entertainment of the world, the child does not understand or hear the voice of the Lord. But other times it is not because of the world's entertainment that prevents a child from hearing the word of the Lord. At other times, is it not because of ignorance? That was the case for Samuel. Samuel was a good young boy. He was a covenant young man who would be used by God mightily in the church. And yet Samuel, as a young man, was ignorant of what the voice of the Lord sounded like. And so Eli had to instruct him, deal with that matter of ignorance, so that Samuel would be able to discern the Lord's voice. And so it is then for us as parents, we have to instruct our children as to even what the voice of the Lord sounds like. Four things we list off here as to what does the voice of the Lord sound like? What, what is the voice of God? Number one, children, the voice of the Lord speaks truth. It does not lie. That's God's word. It is always true. It does not matter how many children on the playground tell a lie about what this person did or what that person did. The voice of the Lord always is truth. That comes out in what follows here. We'll look more closely at that and the content of what God said to Samuel when God gave words of truth about what would happen to Eli's family but the voice of the Lord is truth. Number two, what is the voice of the Lord? The voice of the Lord is the voice of justice. This as well comes out in what follows in this kind of the text here. For Eli's family, there was going to be justice. Eli had done wicked things. His children, his sons had behaved 
wickedly before the Lord. And now God, who is the God of justice, came unto Eli through Samuel. And God told Eli that he was going to be removed from serving as high priest because of his sins. There's justice. And children by nature do not like it. When they are dealt with in a just manner. Children need to be taught when they are being disciplined for a sin that they have committed. That this discipline is not because mom is angry with you and mom is going to retaliate by spanking you. But God is the God of justice. It is because of God Himself, who is the God of truth and justice, that there must be this chastisement for this sinful deed. Third, what is the voice of God? It is the word that is spoken through the parents. God is pleased to speak through parents. This arises out of the truth of the fifth commandment, honor father and mother. God is the one who places parents in that position of authority over the children. And God then speaks through the parents unto the child. Ephesians 6, verses 1 and 2, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother. So children, what does the voice of the Lord sound like unto you? It is this, it is dad as he reads the Bible at mealtime. What is the voice of the Lord sound like to you? It is your mother, as she reads to you a Bible story. But it's not only in situations where dad and mom are specifically bringing instruction from God's word that God speaks through the parents to the child. You know when else, children, God is speaking to you through mom and dad? It's when they say, no, you may not touch that. No, you may not stay out past your, your curfew. No. Now, it's not uncommon for children to rebel when parents say no. They'll challenge the authority of the parents. They'll push back on that. And sometimes the retort of the child is, well, why? Why do I have to obey you, mother? And then it's not uncommon for a mother to respond to that by saying, well, because I told you so. 
And that's not an altogether wrong answer. It's true. Because the mother has a position of authority over the child, that the child must obey mother. But really, we could go and even ought to go one step further. Why is it that children must be required to obey mother and father when they speak? Because God speaks through the parents. That's a humbling thought for us as parents. We better be very, very careful then about what we say. If God is speaking through us, we better not provoke them to wrath. We better not deal with them unjustly. We better not impose upon them rules, regulations that provoke them to become exasperated with us. We mustn't have a punishment that's too severe, that that, that goes beyond the nature of the offense that was committed. As parents, we better be very mindful of this truth, that God speaks through us to the children. Fourth, what is the voice of God that we as parents teach our children to listen for? Is it not the voice of Jesus Christ? It's the gospel. It's the voice of God to our children. And as parents, we must always be mindful of this fact. Yes, God has given to us as parents a position of authority over the children. And yes, we have the right to insist upon the obedience of our children, but we rule over the children in the same way that Jesus Christ, who is the Good Shepherd, rules over His church. We rule over them with love, with patience, and we teach them that there is forgiveness for the sins which they have committed. Yes, dad is upset because you have broken God's law. But for Jesus' sake, you are forgiven. Don't sin anymore. It's the voice of Jesus to them. After Samuel acknowledged that God was speaking to him, God had words for Samuel. It would have been very difficult for him as a young boy to receive. God understood the difficulty of what he was going to bring to Samuel next. God forewarned Samuel that these would be ear-tingling words. We look at the content of this briefly because it shapes how we as parents interact with our children. And we look now especially at verse 13, and we see four things that we learn from the 13th verse. We read there, For I have told him 
to Eli. This is God speaking. I have told Eli that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. What can we as covenant parents learn here from these ear-tingling words? First of all, we see that these were sins that were committed by Eli's sons. It was not Eli himself who had gone out and who had committed these gross and public and shameful sins, but it was Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, who had gone out throughout the land of Israel and who had brought shame upon the family name. The previous chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 2, records for us the iniquities of Hophni and Phinehas. In sum, in, in overview, the sins that Hophni and Phinehas committed were sins of fulfilling the base lusts of the flesh. Hophni and Phinehas had not been taught self-restraint, but they indulged themselves satisfying whatever it was that they coveted or lusted at the moment. 1 Samuel chapter 2 tells us at one point that they desecrated the offerings that were sacrificed unto God. These are the priests who should have been leading the way in honoring the sacrifices that God had given them, and yet they abused the sacrifices by retaining the best part of the meat the fattiest portion of the meat that was the most savory for themselves. And then it tells us as well that they fulfilled the base desires of the flesh by going and laying with the women of the nation of Israel. These sons had not learned to curb the desires of the flesh, they had not learned mortification of the old man of sin. Not Eli, but his sons. Second, what do we see from verse 13? We see that Eli was aware of these sins. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth. Parents, do you know what your children are doing? Or do you turn a blind eye to their activities when they're outside of the home? You have temporary blindness when it comes to the actions of your children. If the teacher calls you up and says, child is struggling with this or that behavior, is it your immediate reaction to disbelieve the teacher and stubbornly, stubbornly insist on the innocence of your child? How could my child? have done such a thing. Eli knew the sins 
ještě odu ke mě. Third, what do we see from verse 13? Even though it was the sons who led the way in their wickedness, yet Eli had a role and was held responsible. I, God, have told Eli that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth. Eli was guilty at fault. What was his fault? His sin was the sin of omission. He failed to do what he should have done. He knew of the wickedness of his sons Hophni and Phinehas, and yet his response did not show the justice and the holiness of God. The text concludes that he, Eli, restrained them not. He failed to show unto his sons the seriousness, the wickedness of their actions. In the previous chapter, 1 Samuel 2, verse 24, after Samuel heard that his sons were laying with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle, we read of the response of Eli to his sons. 1 Samuel 2, 24, Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear. Ye make the Lord's people to transgress. Where was the sharpness? Where was the justice? Where was the concern for the holiness of God when His own sons were out breaking the seventh commandment? Eli should have been sharp, blunt, and forceful at that moment. But his answer was weak. This is no good report that I hear. Well, you're making other people to sin. Fourth, what do we see from verse 13? We see here that God would judge Eli's family because of their wickedness. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth. Eli's family was unceremoniously deposed from office in the nation of Israel. These were shameful sins which had been committed And because of these sins, they as a family were unfit for office. Both of you men who presented your children for baptism this morning are office bearers. God calls us as office bearers to be examples to the rest of the congregation beyond reproach. There is a weighty thoughts, weighty responsibility that God gives unto us. 
a reason for us as office bearers often to be praying unto God earnestly for strength that we and our children might be faithful unto God. And may it not be the case that an ear-tingling report is given about our failures in office. But may God graciously spare us and use us as men for the good of His church. How would Eli respond to this report? well understand if he was afraid of it, but it's evident that Samuel, the young lad, loved the voice of the Lord. Two things that indicate that Samuel did indeed love the word of the Lord. The first evidence is the the fact that Samuel did report unto Eli what he had heard. Imagine the immense difficulty of this duty, and this is the very first duty that he had as prophet. Imagine the difficulty of carrying out this responsibility. Samuel, a young boy, has to go to his mentor, his teacher, and tell his mentor, you and your sons are going to be judged of God. And I am going to be prophet in the land of Israel. It would have been a temptation for Samuel either to modify the report, to take the blunt, take the edge of the report off, but he didn't. The fact that Samuel brought that report faithfully unto Eli shows that Samuel had more love for the word of God, than he was a respecter of persons. The second thing that indicates that Samuel loved the voice of the Lord as God spoke to him is found in the 19th verse. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. A striking picture that is used here of Samuel retaining, holding on to the word of the Lord so that the word of the Lord would not fall down to the ground. Think of how many times a child spills a glass of milk. And when that milk falls down to the ground, that milk is useless gets mopped up, the rag gets wrung out, and it runs down the drain. Samuel was very careful not to let the word of the Lord fall down to the ground. He loved it. He hid it within his 
And this shows unto us as parents what is our great goal. That we would instill within the child's heart the love for God's Word so that they too, like a sponge, might absorb that Word of God and let none of the Lord's words fall to the ground. The Scriptures make clear that this is the duty of parents to instruct them in God's Word. A summary of the law that we hear read every Sunday morning, Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 and 7, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way. And as well, the psalmist, Psalm 78, verse 4, we will not hide them, truths of the Scriptures, we will not hide them from their children, show to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. We seek as parents to instill this love for God's Word in our children by requiring of them to learn God's Word. By requiring of them to memorize the Word so that that Word is hid within the child's heart. We seek to instill within our children a love and an appreciation for the Word of God, not just by our formal instruction, but also by our everyday example of living lives of piety and submission to the authority of the Holy Scriptures. We seek to instill within our children a love for the Word of God and His voice by speaking well of the church and of other Christians. We do not openly criticize the church in front of our children. We do not complain about this or that individual who hurt us, offended us in front of our children. Because we are careful to show our love for the voice of God in the church by our example in front of the children. And then how do we do this? Ultimately, cannot, but we depend upon the irresistible, invisible, efficacious operations of the Holy Spirit within the hearts of our children. We pray that God give to our children the Spirit of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Himself would work in their hearts repentance, sorrow over sin, comfort of forgiveness, hope of life everlasting, 
joy in being with the Lord. May God so work in the children of this congregation. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, we see thy love for thy church revealed in the scriptures at a time when there was a scarcity of the word thou didst raise up Samuel and call him to a special office within the Old Testament nation of Israel. Wilt thou father call our children to be thy children it be thy will, wilt thou call our sons to be ministers, to proclaim thy word? Wilt thou strengthen us as parents that we might be faithful and forgive us when we fail? For Jesus' sake we pray this. Amen.